Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Big stories. Big guests. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. And, and again, I mean, you know, without getting complacent, I mean, Alberta's in, in a relatively good position compared to other jurisdictions. But it's important, I think, that, that we keep doing what we're doing. But we're seeing evidence that it's working. Now, it's something to keep an eye on, and, and we do see some fluctuation in the daily numbers. And, you know, part of that depends on how many tests have been processed, et cetera. You know, we saw 82 new cases uh, announced yesterday, 69 the day before. Um, so, you know, with, without getting too hung up on those day-to-day numbers, I think it's important to look at what the trends are, but more to the point maybe to look at what the hospitalization numbers are. And so far in Alberta, Again, without getting complacent, but the numbers have been relatively low, maybe lower than expected, certainly even lower than what some of the province's own modeling suggested. Um, the announcement yesterday, the update yesterday, uh, points that there are currently 44 people in hospital, 14 of whom have been admitted to intensive care units. And look, obviously that represents a concerning situation for all of those individuals and their families, of course. Um, but again, that those are some encouraging numbers, and those have, have held relatively steady at around around that level. So obviously, you know, it's a situation where you sort of plan for the worst but hope for the best. And I think so far in Alberta, that's kind of what we've been doing, bracing for a potential surge and obviously hoping that we don't get it. Well, joining us to talk a bit more about what we make of uh, maybe that, that luck so far, I'm very pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, uh, Dr. James Kellner is uh, with the University of Calgary. Uh, Dr. Kellner, thanks so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Um, by the way, and, and just uh, your, your thoughts, first of all, on what we are to make of, of these numbers so far. What do what you make of those numbers so far? Well, I think you said it really well in your comments just now that, um, you know, the way we're tracking specifically in Alberta um, is, I think, showing us that all the sacrifice everybody is undergoing to maintain social distancing and shut down and so many things in our in our society is actually making a big difference because we're actually tracking quite a ways below what even the most probable estimates of the province were. You mentioned about 44 uh, patients in hospital just now and 14 in ICU. If we stuck with the probable estimates released just last week, we should have close to 300 Albertans in hospital right now and close to 50 in ICU. So, and those numbers have been stable for 10 days or more now in terms of the total number of hospitalizations and the total number of, um, um, of ICU patients. And then along with that, um, we're just seeing a, a, you know, a fairly slow increase um, in the total number of cases. And as I'm sure you've mentioned, um, uh, 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 encouraging increase in the number of resolved cases. 
Yeah. And by the way, I just I had my, my lineup sheet uh, disappear on me a second ago, just to give you a proper introduction, just so folks know you're the head of the Department of Pediatrics of the Cummings School of Medicine, also an infectious disease specialist, just to make sure we all uh, get the, the proper introduction here for our guests. So um, just with, with that as, as the backdrop, um, so people understand your expertise on this, I mean, as we try to understand with a disease like this, um, you know, how it affects the population. We, we have some yeah. idea of how contagious it is. And, and in fact, now it's, it seems maybe some evidence suggesting it's a little more contagious than we thought it was. But as we try to understand what, what the you know, mortality rate is, what kind of a hospitalization rate we're dealing with, I mean, you, you see different situations in different jurisdictions, right? So it, it, it is hard to, to predict those kinds of trajectories, isn't it? Yeah, it's difficult to predict the trajectories. We're going to get better and better at it uh, as time goes by because we'll have more and more um, true data to help with this and be able to sort of apply that information in different settings and uh, different scenarios. And so um, it is difficult. You know, we're still working in some ways in some of the Alberta projections. We're working in some ways with the original data out of China that um, suggested, um, you know, 20, 15 to 20 percent of people would be admitted to hospital and half and, and 5 percent of people would go to ICU. Well, we're, you know, that was in a population where not very many people were being tested. And so um, a big, big difference in, um, in Alberta and in Canada overall, uh, in fairness, and in Alberta in particular, is we've tested so many more people. So part of why our numbers look better is because we've tested so many more people and we, um, you know, the number on the bottom, the denominator, we've tested a lot more people and so the, you know, number of actual cases are a smaller fraction of that. And, um, you know, so we're fortunate that way. But those numbers are changing. We'll, we'll be a lot smarter about this in, a, in, a, you know, in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, even if you just look at it as a percentage of confirmed cases, those hospitalization numbers are, yes. are relatively encouraging. And then you think, well, you know, even though Alberta's testing a lot, there's still a lot of presumed cases out there, a lot of cases that we, yes. we just don't know about, which, you know, gives kind of a different context to those numbers. Yeah, and so, and the other big thing, and so this is another thing that's, that's still an unknown um, everywhere and unknown here. If you look at the proportion of cases in Alberta that are travel-related, compared to the ones that are community, um, you know, spread. So far, we're still talking in Alberta with a pretty small um, minority of cases, around 20% or so is uh, thought to be community spread, compared to the rest that are travel-related. And um, so, but we don't know, right? Because although we do have liberal approach, have had quite liberal approaches to testing, certainly not testing everybody in the community who has um, symptoms that could be COVID. And so, um, so we don't know that. But the... The trade-off there, or the, or the the flip side of that, is that because we're really not seeing it reflected in the harder numbers of uh, hospitalizations and um, ICU admissions and uh, deaths, and we can talk some more about deaths, but um, if, if we had a whole bunch of hospitalizations that were um, out of keeping with the number of tests that we're seeing and they, they weren't being tested, then I'd be more concerned. But we're not seeing hospitalizations where we're not able to figure out whether they have COVID or not. So, uh, yes, we're not testing everybody in the community. And in an ideal world, we test way more people in the community. But uh, so far, based on how it reflects in the hospitalization numbers and uh, ICU numbers, it, 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 it seems like, you know, it's, um, it's not terrible. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, one of the, the aspects that I think is interesting is, is obviously that, that this is a disease that affects different demographics in different yeah, ways. And certainly, very much. you know, older, 
the older age groups are, are more at risk. So do, do you see a connection maybe in Alberta having a, a younger population than in, in terms of what we're seeing the impact so far? Yes, and that absolutely could be the case because, you know, and you saw that most tragically in uh, in Italy, where in the region yeah. of northern Italy that's been affected, the average age of the population is a decade older than the average age of the population here in Alberta. And uh, so there's a dramatic difference. Now, um, and, and, and certainly the way it, you know, it's unfolding here is that we're seeing a lot of uh, disease uh, in um uh, in, in those uh, folks who are over 70 and over 80 in particular. But a, re- a reminder for the audience that I'm sure you've spoken about over the time is that uh, we have seen plenty of cases in Alberta in uh, younger adults. And, um, you know, sort of at the beginning, uh, a surprisingly high number of cases in, in younger adults. And that was probably related more to uh, uh, travel um, and some um, social gatherings. But, uh, yes, for sure, Overall, it's um, very much age-related, uh, especially and in, in especially older people who have underlying health conditions. But it's the younger populations, 20 to 50 years of age, um, are um, are not unaffected by this. And I guess, I mean, you know, there can be a lag when it comes to uh, these these metrics and obviously in measuring the, the efficacy of some of the, the policy approaches we put in yeah. place. So, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the numbers this week, but are, are there some signs that you're seeing that that, that curve is starting to flatten? Yeah, so two, a, cu- a couple of things to say about that. And the first is that for sure, and, you know, one of the sort of, um, metrics that has been used is, is doubling time um, and this concept of how many days it takes um, to double from the last measure, whether that is total number of cases or hospitalizations or deaths. And uh, so our total number of cases, you know, the last doubling to go from about 800 to about 1600, that, um, that took 10 days. You know, and before that, you know, when we were at lower numbers, it was only taking about three days to double yeah. um, the number of cases. Then it's extended up to five and seven, and the most recent doubling took 10 days. And so that is a really, and this is what you're seeing in other places as well, is as the number of cases take longer to double, um, this is what you uh, start to see. And so I think that um, uh, we've, um, we really are seeing that. And the second thing to say, Rob, if I, if I may, is that we're starting to see information come out. I'm sure you're dealing with this. So much information comes out, a whole bunch of which is completely useless, and sometimes it's dangerously wrong, and and sometimes it's deceitful. But what we are seeing in terms of the good information that's coming out is people are starting to put some numbers on what is the uh, percent impact of some of the social distancing um, uh, things that are being done, closing the schools, um, uh, um, encouraging uh, physical distancing and that. And that's another thing we're going to know more about in the, in, the, in the weeks to come, which is going to be really important when it comes to lifting off some of these restrictions to understand, well, what kind of impact we expect certain restrictions uh, to make. And then when we take them off, what kind of risk is there? Yeah, and just, you know, as, as speaking as a pediatric, too, I think one of the interesting aspects of this disease is, is how it impacts children. And yes. I mean, obviously, there, there are some children who have had some, some negative outcomes, but by and large, it seems as though children um, seem to fare well, whether they're, they, they become infected and, and aren't really all that symptomatic or whether they're somehow not becoming in, infected. I think it's going to be something interesting to better understand. But I mean, what, what can we say with certainty at this point about how this is impacting children? 
Yeah, so um, in terms of disease, um, it's, uh, it seems, and worldwide, there's more and more information coming out on this, but um, that um, the number of children who get sick with it is small. What we are seeing for sure is that uh, the children who get very sick with it um, tend to be children who have significant other underlying diseases, mm-hmm. such as a heart disease they were born with or some form of cancer or something like that. And uh, so certainly our risk groups in children or kids who have really significant other diseases. But for the most part, children are either not having symptomatic, any symptoms at all, or having very minor symptoms. And this is so very different than other infectious diseases where children are often the main um, carrier of the infection and the main ones to transmit, even if they're not uh, very sick. Um, and so there's lots to learn about that. And uh, there's, there's research going on, including research that we started here at the University of Calgary to, to look at this specifically. And it's another thing we'll know more about. I'll say that the bigger impact on children has been, you know, the impact of, <laughs> the impact of this, uh, closing the schools. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's, it, it, that impact is smaller for families with means and ability to uh, figure out what to do with their kids otherwise. Um, but um, there are plenty of families who are struggling as, uh, to figure out how to take care of their children and carry on with um, their work life if they have it and, uh, and, and, and um, provide, um, provide for their families. And uh, so it's not intended, of course, but it's the, thing, it's the thing you worry about for sure. And our hospitals, uh, you know, people have done so well at staying away from the hospitals that, as uh, again, you've likely discussed, you know, in Calgary on any given day, there's hundreds and hundreds of empty hospital beds waiting to surge, including at the Children's Hospital and the emergency departments are seeing half their usual number of patients because people really are, you know, taking the message to heart and staying away. And so uh, the other thing you worry about is routine medical care. How's the routine medical care going for um, health care? Yeah, that's a great point. We'll leave it there. Dr. Kellner, appreciate your insights uh, on all of this. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Okay. Thank you for your interest. Take care. Bye. All right. All the best. You as well. Uh, Dr. James Kellner, head of the Department of Pediatrics at the Cummings School of Medicine at University of Calgary, also an infectious disease specialist. So some thoughts from him on how Alberta's fared uh, so far. And part of, too, I mean, our understanding of this disease. And, and when it comes to children, it, it is quite fascinating. Um, and I think it bodes well. Uh, for for getting kids back to some sense of normalcy, you know, school and their activities. But I think it's also important to understand is it that kids tend not to get infected or they are infected and, and for whatever reason that they, they they tend to fare well in terms of relatively few or, or minor symptoms. And to understand then, well, are, are kids infected and they, they don't seem like they're sick, but they're contagious? Or if they're not a vector for infection, I mean, that, that would be significant. Uh, so I think it's important to understand that, but I mean, it does bode well for ensuring that, you know, as we look ahead to the fall, and obviously, look, this this is going to be a tough few months for kids. Um, and once we get through the summer, though, are we in a position where, you know, classes can resume, other activities can resume, because that's that's really important for kids. 403-974-8255 is the number here. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.